0: Welcome, everyone, to the best edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast, which means it is Friday. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. And because Thursday's show was a little depressing, well, not depressing, but the news wasn't so positive. We got some positive. We got all positive news, actually. It was all good news on Thursday. Thursday was a good day, and we're going to start with probably the best news. And that was the latest report from Adam Data Solutions looking at home equity and, shocker, It was up in the second quarter of 2021. The Adam Data Solutions U.S. Home Equity and Underwater Report found that equity-rich mortgaged residential properties jumped to 34.4% in the second quarter of 2021. So how does that compare to other quarters? I am so glad you asked that question. Only 31.2% of properties were equity-rich in the first quarter of this year. And compared to a year ago, that's Q2 of 2020, 27.5%, so that's a big jump up. I mean, yeah, it makes sense with what's been happening with home prices. That's why we've seen that move. But the really great news is the report also found that just 4.1% of mortgaged homes were considered seriously underwater in the second quarter of 2021. That is down from 5.2% just last quarter and down from 6.2% a year ago. So let me define some of these terms real quick, just in case you don't know what they are. I kind of forgot myself. So equity rich means that your LTV is 50% or better, and seriously, underwater means the loan on your house is 25% more than the actual value. That's what you owe. You owe 25% more than the the actual value. So where... Are these seriously underwater homes? Well, unfortunately, they are in the South and the Midwest. I mean, it's unfortunate no matter where they are, but considering I'm in the South, you never want to see that. The areas with the most seriously underwater homes weren't just in the same state. This is what's fascinating to me. They were in the same city. Cleveland, Ohio had three of the top five zip codes with the largest share of seriously underwater properties. How weird is that? In the same city. Three the I mean, what's going on in Ohio? I don't know. I, I literally don't know. If you want to send me an email, let me know what's going on in Cleveland. Is it it because of what happened with the baseball team? Is everyone leaving? They're like, we're going to be the Cleveland Guardians. All right, put the house on the market. We're going somewhere else that has a better baseball team name. I don't know what's going on there, but three of the top five zip codes are in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, on the flip side, with looking at the largest share of equity-rich homes, they, of course, were in the West and a similar kind of phenomenon taking place. The areas with the most equity rich homes were concentrated around the San Francisco Bay as they held three of the top five zip codes. Todd Teta chief product officer with Adam pointed out that the concern about home values at the start of this pandemic, I mean, let's face it, it could not have been more wrong. He said in a statement, quote, the huge home price jumps over the last past year, or excuse me, the huge home price jumps over the past year that helped millions of sellers earn big profits also kicked in big time during the second quarter of other owners who saw their typical equity improve more than at any time in the last two years. Instead of the virus pandemic harming homeowners, it's helped create conditions that have boosted the balance sheets of households all across the country. Now, I think it's also important to note that as equity has continued to climb, we are not seeing a surge in cash-out refis. Sure, they're going up, but that was the downfall of 2008, right? Everyone saw their equity go up, then they did a cash-out refi, then maybe they bought another house, or they you know bought a boat, or they did something. They spent the money. And that's what created the situation where once the housing market went south, these people found themselves underwater, And a lot of people started walking away from homes and then we all remember what happened in 2008. So this is just another example of why 2021 is nothing like 2008. I don't know, maybe it's because so many people remember 2008. (laughs) They're like, we're not doing that again. We are not doing the cash out refi. But we have not seen some giant surge despite the giant surge that we have seen in home equity. So that's a good sign, no doubt about that. Speaking of good signs, Yesterday, we had the jobless claims number, the weekly jobless claims number, and we had the ADP report come out on Wednesday. Not good. And so a lot of people were looking at yesterday's jobless claims to see if there was going to be some big uptick. And the good news was the claims matched what they were expecting. Initial claims were 385,000, which was a small decrease of about 14,000 from the previous week forecast had been for about 384,000 claims. So right there in the ballpark, the four week moving average was 394,000, a decrease of 250 from the previous week's revised averaged. Now continuing claims, well, they beat expectations. Continued claims were about 2.9 million, a drop of 366,000 forecast had only expected a small drop to about 3.26 million. So Good news. No doubt about that. Continuing claims falling much faster than they had anticipated. Looking at state-level data, the states with the biggest increases were in California, Tennessee, Michigan, New Jersey, and Florida. And the states with the largest decreases were in Pennsylvania, Texas, Kentucky, Illinois, and Missouri. So, bottom line, meeting forecasts is never a bad thing. And then to have a big drop in continuing claims is more proof that we are continuing to move in the right direction. Like I said, after Wednesday's ADP report, there was some concern that the economic recovery could be slowing down. And we're not going to know that until this morning, a little later this morning, we're going to get the big monthly jobs report and that will give it, that will give us a better indicator as to what's happening with the economy. So was Wednesday's ADP report, a fluke or a sign of things to come. Well, this Hopefully says that it was a fluke, but we will have more data on that in just a few hours. And we'll be talking about that on Monday's podcast. Now, speaking of things falling, mortgage rates just continue to fall. This, according to the latest data from Freddie Mac's weekly mortgage survey, they found the 30 year fixed fell three basis points to an average of 2.77%. This is down from a year ago when an average 2.88%. And the 15-year fixed, well, I mean, it really can't go any lower, which is why it was unchanged from last week, averaging 2.1%, obviously down from a year ago when it was at 2.44%. Sam Cater, chief economist at Freddie Mac, said rates are basically moving back to where we were at the start of the year, saying, quote, The 30-year fixed-rate mortgage dipped back to where it stood at the beginning of 2021, and the 15-year fixed remains at a historic low. This bodes well for those still looking to refinance, renovate, or even purchase a new home. So, I mean, (laughs) this is just another opportunity for anyone that missed the refi boom uh, of last year or earlier this year, they now have a third opportunity. Third time's the charm, I guess, for anyone out there that's looking to refi, because, man, now is the time to do it. Uh, and real quick, before we go, I did want to touch on this. The trade deficit, we did get data from them from the Bureau of Economic Analysis. And in the month of June, the trade deficit increased $4.8 billion to 75.7 billion. That was a result of exports, which moved up 1.2 billion, but imports moved up more, moving up $6 billion from May. And the increase was also a result of a $4 billion increase in our goods deficit and a small $0.7 billion, or I should say $700 million decrease in the service surplus. Now, why does this matter? Because you might think like Tyler, Why does the housing market care about the trade deficit? Well, I mean, there's not a direct correlation, but there kind of is. And contrary to popular belief, a rising trade deficit is actually a good thing. Now, I know a lot of people in politics would tell you otherwise, uh, but Cato's Scott Lincecone noted on Twitter, it is, quote, a clear sign of a recovering, if not booming, U.S. economy. I mean, if you look at the data over the last 20 years, the only time our trade deficit contracted was during a economic retraction. (laughs) And the only time it and during times that the economy was booming, the trade deficit expanded. And I guess we're kind of hoping that that is the case right now. So the trade deficit is expanding because the economy is expanding. That's what we are hoping for. So what's good for the economy is good for housing. There's no doubt about that. All right, you guys enjoy. Oh, don't forget, today we got the big jobs report. We'll talk about that on Monday's podcast. And on that note, I had to get that in. I had to remind you that's dropping at 8.30 this morning. You guys enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll see you back here Monday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.